Good morning. Hey, everybody. Uh, as Justin was saying, my name is Dan Ryder, and I am a member of the core team here at the Calling Community Church. Um, I also am blessed to serve as the church's treasurer and um, also will be the facilitator for Financial Peace University. So this class, I just want to give you a brief rundown of it real quick. Uh, this class gets started two weeks from this Tuesday. I believe it's September 13th. And if, if money is something that, that any of you struggle with or, or debt or you have anxiety around money, it, you know, it doesn't matter if you're 22 or you're 62, I really, I highly encourage you, sign up for this class. So this class will teach you biblical, practical things that you can turn around and implement the next day to begin walking on a journey of handling money God's way and realizing financial peace. So, move this over a little bit. So if you want to sign up for the class, we have, I think we have sign-ups out here. Um, you can come talk to me at any time. You know, I'm going to try to hang out for a little bit after service. I'll give you a little bit more information about it. Um, if you want to go online, you can go to our website. It's www.thecallingcommunitychurch.com. And there's a big button right there when you sign up or sign into the screen, and you, you can't miss it. Click that button and put in your information and sign up. So the class is $93, or $97 actually, I think. And um, if that is a deterrent for you, if, if you say, I would love to take this class, but I'd, I don't have $93, uh, again, come talk to me, because we don't want money to be a deterrent for this, and we really want all who truly want to take this class to have the opportunity. So we will offer some discounted kits um, based on financial needs. So the other thing is child care. If you have a need for child care, don't know what to do with your kids, uh, but you really want to take the class, come talk to me, but please do that soon because we're trying to put in place and figure out if we need child care. If we don't have any interest, we may not offer it. So um, just let us know, and we'll see if we can get that taken care of for you. So, continuing on with the money theme today, um, you know, let me just start off by saying I'm, I'm truly humbled to be here today. Um, like many of you have, I actually graduated from this high school. It's where I met Brady a long time ago. And if you would have told me the day I graduated high school that I would be standing in front of all of you today, talking about God's Word, talking about Scripture, and sharing the love of Christ, and what the Bible says about money, I never would have believed you. There's no way I would, I would have called you crazy. So it's just a really cool picture of, of how God can take ordinary people to do his work, because, you know, I... Like I said, I, I just, I don't feel qualified to be up here, but, uh, you know, God, I, I feel that like he shared a word with me, and, and so uh, I'd love to share that with you. So I'm going to sort of, I really like what Dr. Sayer, the principal of the high school, he said this a couple weeks ago, and he said, uh, you know, I ask for a little bit of grace from you today. I am definitely not a theologian. I don't claim to be any sort of biblical expert. Um, to be honest with you, this is really one of the first times I've ever actually spoken in public. You know, I did take 
a public speaking class as a part of my undergraduate coursework, but I'm not really sure what I got out of that because I took it online. <laughs> so I'm, that's a true story. I'm not making that up. So I always went for the easy A's, you know. Sorry, Mom. <laughs> my mom's here today, so really excited about that. And um, so we're going to continue on with the Seven Commands of Christ series today. And one of those commands that Christ gives us is to give. So giving, you know, before anybody starts heading towards the door, I know it's a, it's a very tough subject in our society. There's a lot of, it's, it's called the last taboo. You know, there's a lot of things in our society that, that we're becoming more and more free to express. But less and less people want to talk about their money. Many view giving messages from the pulpit as, you know, as self-serving, too. From the church that, you know, some people may think, oh, they just want to get up and, and convince me to give more money because God needs more money and the church needs my money. But as I hope to show today, that is not the truth, and that's not what God says about giving. There's a uh, writer, his name is Thomas More. Um, I don't believe he is a follower of Christ, but he, he wrote a book called In Care for the Soul, and he claims to be a... Uh, a sort of a spiritual writer, if you will. But, but I heard this quote from him, and I really thought it was applicable to our society's perspective around money and the difficulty it comes in talking about us. And this is what he said. He said, Rarely easy, work with the soul, is usually placed squarely in that place we would rather not visit, in the emotion we don't want to feel, and in that understanding we would prefer to do without. So, my hope today is to share a message with you that, that may at times be difficult to hear, but let me just start off by saying that this message ends with the fact that giving will help you realize the tremendous blessings that God and Christ have for you. And as one of our recent core team meetings, um, you know, we, as a church, we always, we have to talk about finances every now and then, just to be responsible stewards of the wealth that we're given. And part of this discussion, we decided that we wanted to share what the heart of our church is, and how we manage our money, and what we see our purpose is. So I think many of you have, if you've been here before, have probably heard Brady say several times, you know, the, the mission of our church is to create a space for all to come and experience the compassionate love of the Father. And that's what we're doing here today, right? So we all come together and, and here's the space that God so richly blessed us with. And... We come together today so that we all may hear about God, we may hear about Jesus, 
and we all can come experience his love. So I am, you know, as being the financial guy, you know, of course, I, you have to consider there's, there's costs associated with that, right? So, um, so it costs the school money for us to be here in terms of, you know, utilities, and, and Anthony does a really great job keeping the place picked up for us, and so there's costs there. So we, you know, the coffee, um, which we love providing because we think that it brings people together before service and, and brings a more greater sense of community. And, but, so that costs money. The pastries, the, the worship equipment we have up here to, to worship the Lord, you know, it's, there's, there's some cost associated with that, right? As a church... Fairly recently, we were in a meeting and we found that our current needs had all been met. You know, we, we had enough to, to cover our costs to open up shops Sunday mornings and, and provide everything we needed in the moment. So that led to some discussions on what do we do with what we have left? Do we save it? for future needs in case something were to come up. Um, and ultimately, when you face a decision such as that, any sort of tough decision you face, I would encourage you to do as we did, and we turned to what God had to say about it. And one scripture, I, wanna, I want you to open up with me to the book of Matthew. And that's starting in chapter 25, verse 34. And this is what it says. It says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go and visit you? The king will reply, Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So, we had all of our current needs met. And that is the scripture that was really placed on our hearts as a group. And so we elected at that time to not only, and, and let me go back and say as a church, we always designate 10% of all the funds we take in to always go back out into the community. So that's done first and foremost. But we had more over and beyond that, and we elected to do what we could to give food to the hungry drink to the thirsty, homes for the homeless, 
you know, we serve those in our community. We serve those, you know, overseas. We help, um, you know, some people some, on some overseas missions. And so between June of 2014, when our church started, and June of 2016, just a few months ago, we just celebrated our second anniversary. We have actually used what we had left and sewn that back out into the community as a tool in the amount of just over $30,000. If you consider where we started, you know, we were just talking about this this morning, but I remember meeting at Beth and Tony's house on one of the first Sundays in that June. And we had our service in their living room, and we're just preparing to go to the YMCA to start church there. At the time, we had none of this, none of the equipment that we needed or anything to even be able to do service. So we just, we prayed to God and we asked that we could just scrape together enough funds just to provide what we needed to have church that next Sunday. The fact that that was just two years ago and we have came this far, you know, God has so richly blessed us as a church. So we turn back out in the community and our mission is to share the love of Christ not only by creating a space for all of us to come and experience the compassionate love of the Father, but also to sow, use money as a tool to sow back into the community to share the love of Christ outside of Sunday mornings. So why, why am I sharing this today? You know, first we believe that it's important that as a body of Christ that we share a common vision, that we all share a common mission as a church. Plus, we really want all of you to, that all of you that faithfully give and serve, that, you know, we want to share in the fruits of that and, and show you what is accomplished there. But most of all, I really just want to highlight the fact that God has met our needs, and that has allowed us to share generously out in our community. So our, my, this is my goal that I just want to share today, and I really hope that we can accomplish that. But over the next two years, I really hope that we can share twice that amount back into the community. I mean, how awesome would that be? So as we continue on, into our message today and the seven commands of Christ and to give, here's a little outline of what I want to talk about. First, I want to talk about, you know, what is money and why is money important to God? Second, who owns everything? Third, why are we called to give? Finally, as believers in Christ, how should we give? So the purpose 
of my message today is I really hope by the time we leave here that we can remove the words have to from the context of giving. Because when, you know, I hear questions like, how much does God's word say I have to give? Does God's word say I have to give on my net income or my gross income? I mean, that's, that's the eternal question, right? But I would say those are both kind of the wrong question. Because when you use the words have to in the context of giving, that completely suffocates the joy, the blessings, and the overall purpose that come. So I just want to say a quick prayer um, to open up. So Lord, I just I humble myself before you today. And Lord, I just I pray just that you use your word and speak through me, Lord, that I am nothing more than just a tool to share your heart, Lord, and what you want us to hear. Lord, I pray for those in the audience today. I pray for soft hearts and open ears. And I pray this in Jesus' name. So what is money, and why is money so important to God? First of all, I think we have to ask ourselves, how do we even know money is important? Well, we know it's important to God because he had a lot to say about money in his word. As the, the preview message says, God's word has over 800 scriptures on money. In comparison, there's 500 on prayer, and there's less than 100 on forgiveness. Jesus himself had a lot to say about money. Did you know almost half of his parables are money-related? So my, my point is, I don't, I don't want to communicate that money is more important than everything, because that's certainly not the case. But money is certainly important to God. So, you know, what is money? If money's so important, what is it? You know, here I have with me just a, a $5 bill. I would have more, but my wife won't let me carry more than this. Just kidding. She didn't even know I had this. <laughs> so what is money? Money simply serves as an exchange for things that we value. You know, you say you have three people, each has their own good or something that they have to offer the world, and they have something that they want. Well, person A may not have what person B wants, and person C, you know, may have what person A wants. So, 
to create a system where they all don't have to come together and exchange things three ways, money is used as a tool to help facilitate that transfer. But with money, we assign values to things and we'll pay more money for things that we value more. So have any of you been watching, it's been on the news this week and it's been a big issue about what's been going on with the EpiPens. So what's been going on, for those of you that don't know, uh, first of all, what an EpiPen is, is if you have a severe allergy, let's say you have a peanut allergy, and if you come into contact, contact with peanuts and you suffer an allergic reaction, you use an EpiPen to save your life, to keep your throat from closing and, and that. So what the issue is, over the past five years, EpiPens have increased in value by four times. 400% they've become more expensive. So why are people so upset about that? Because in the event that they need that EpiPen, they value that pen more than anything else they have. If you were in that situation and you had an allergic reaction and you were on the verge of death, you would give away just about every earthly thing you owned to save yourself, wouldn't you? So that's why there's so much outrage because people will pay whatever it is that is necessary to have those. And this is just a side note. We'll get to this a little bit later on in the service, but I think this is a good illustration. Did you know God wants you to value him as much as if you're having an allergic reaction as that EpiPen all the time? So if money is an accurate depiction of things that we value, your bank statement should be a reflection of your values. Luke chapter 12 verse 34 says this. It says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For instance, my wife would tell you if you value being a nerd like me, that you probably have a lot of uh, charges in your bank statement from Amazon buying books. If you value relationship and time with friends, you probably have a lot of restaurants or social activities. If you value entertainment, you might have movies, concert tickets, Royals tickets. Richard Halverson, he's a pastor and author. Um, he's fairly well known. He wrote a, the introduction for a book most of you probably heard of called My Utmost for His Highest. And he, he wrote a book himself called We the People, among many others. This is what he had to say about money. He said, Jesus Christ said more about money than about any other single thing because when it comes to a man's real nature, money is of first importance. Money is an exact index to a man's true character. Let me say it again. Money is an exact index to a man's true character. All through Scripture, there's an intimate correlation between the development of a man's character and how he handles money. 
So does your bank statement align with your values? Is the Lord first among your values? It's natural in our sinful nature to spend money on things that are fleeting, that are of this world, that are temporary, that feel good at the time. We all struggle with that on a daily basis. But think of this. Anything that we value more than God is an idol. And if we value that more than God, that is idolatry. And God's word says idolatry means death. So money is a measure of what we value. So the next principle is that God owns everything. So what does that mean? God does not need us to provide for him. I think that's a perception a lot of us have. But God doesn't need you to do anything. He, can, he created the world. He created money. He can take it from you at any time he wants. He doesn't need that from us. Psalm chapter 24 verse 1 says this. It says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Haggai verse, chapter 2 verse 8 says, The silver is mine, the Lord's, and the gold is mine. So why is ownership important? So I'll put this into perspective a little bit. Um, is anybody excited about football season starting? That's right. Amen, right? So college football starts this week. And I, am, I, I love college football. I'm a huge college football fan. So let's say I go on to Amazon. They're not paying me. I've plugged them twice now. But. So I go on to Amazon, and I order a big screen TV, just a big 60-inch TV, and I order this to be sent to my house. So we get to Saturday, and my TV hasn't shown up. And I'm excited. I want to watch the game. So I, I go out, and I start looking for what happened to it, you know, and, and in my search, I, I finally, I end up, and I realize that I'm at the FedEx man's house. So I, I go into his house, and there he is, he's sitting there watching TV for the one I just bought. I'm going to be pretty mad, aren't I? I'm going to say, that's my TV, I just bought that, what are you doing? We are God's FedEx people. Doesn't that, when you think of it in that context, doesn't that give you the sense that ownership matters? Because here's what it does. When your perception changes, once you acknowledge that you don't actually own anything, what it effectively does is it makes every spending decision a spiritual decision. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 says this. says, what do you have that you did not first receive? Everything we have, we have it because God first gave it to us. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18 
It says, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Now, it also means that, that God has a right to take it. But here's the good news, is that we serve a loving God. And God does not want to force us to do anything. He doesn't want to force our hand, but to give willingly and cheerfully. Just like he won't force you to accept his free gift in Christ, but he wants you to accept it. All that he asks is for your heart in return. So what does giving have to do with it? We've acknowledged that that money is a depiction of the things that we truly value and that God truly owns everything. So turn with me to the book of Mark, chapter 12. We're going to start at verse 41. And it says this, so Jesus goes and he sits and he watches the offering take place. He says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins, worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They have all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all that she had to live on. So what are some observations from that? First off, if the amount was what was important, Jesus wouldn't have said that she gave more than the others because on a worldly level, she didn't give much at all. She gave two cents, two very small coins. But the reason that she gave more than the others was because she gave everything she had that was sacrificial to the Lord. So by doing that, she communicated to the Lord that, Lord, you are first in my life before anything of this earth. By giving everything, it was clear that God was first in her value chain. So, another really good picture of this is in the book of Luke, chapter 18, verse 9. And it's the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. It said, To some who are confident in their own righteousness and look down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even this tax collector. I fast twice a week 
and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So, in here, it it doesn't even say that that tax collector gave anything worldly but his heart. But that tax collector was justified because he made himself humble before the Lord. So what does humble mean? Humble means having or showing a modest or low estimate of one's own importance. So in other words, where the Pharisee gave the full 10%, he checked all the boxes, he did everything right by following all the laws. But you know what? God wasn't first in his value chain. He was. Whereas the tax collector, by humbling himself, said to God, Lord, I value everything below you, including myself. So the point is, and this is one of the main points of the whole message today, is that giving is really simply just a natural consequence of a grateful heart and will occur naturally once you humble yourself before the Lord. But the very first step of that process is to repent and believe in Jesus Christ. We can give everything we own to the poor. We can check all the boxes But if we don't first repent and believe, it means nothing. So what are some practical applications as we wrap up? What is, how does God call us to give? First step, like I said, repent and believe. Second, acknowledge God's control and ownership over everything in your life. Because what that does is that will make every spending decision you make a spiritual decision. Next, give proportionately. Deuteronomy chapter 16 verse 17 says this. It says, each of you must bring a gift in proportion to the way your Lord, the way the Lord your God has blessed you. A proportion to me is, you know, a percentage. Next, give sacrificially, like the poor widow. You know, I, I, I counsel a lot of people all the time, you know, about their budgets, and we'll go through their budgets, and we'll start at the top and say, you know, the income, I have my income, and I start going through my mortgage payment, my utilities, you know, cable, internet, you know, things like that. And they said, I'm, I'm a really generous person, but when I get to the bottom, there's nothing left. 
And a lot of times you just have to say, well, the fact is, you know, your budget's upside down. So here's the deal. I won't say any certain percentage because I, I believe that's completely up to you. I, you know, and, and I want the spirit to work in you. The intent of the message today is not to guilt or anything. I, I just, I pray, please don't, don't take the message that way. I, you know, I pray that you just allow your ears to be open and the spirit to move within you to place that on your heart. But give sacrificially. Next, give cheerfully. Second Corinthians nine seven says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. God, again, does not want to force your hands and tell you to do anything you don't want to do. He wants you to give out of love. Cheerfully. Because ultimately, what's the verse that we all learn first thing in Sunday school? It's John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. We give because we can never match what God has give, given to us. And that is good news, isn't it? The fact that we don't have to match what God gives to us. Because he gave everything. He gave his one and only son. Next, use money as a tool to direct your heart. As we said, your heart will be where your treasure is. Here's the cool thing. A lot of people will hear that message and think, well, that means that my money will just be where my heart is. But you can actually use your money as a tool to direct your heart. So if you say, I want to have a heart for overseas missions, or I want to have a heart for helping those within our community, you know, have enough money to eat lunch at school throughout the week. Give to those things. And God will place that on your heart. If you have fear and you're burdened, or your generosity is stifled, I encourage you to take Financial Peace University. Because that class will teach you the practical steps on managing money God's way, which will bring you true financial peace. So here's the good news. You know, it may seem like God calls us to do things and, and sacrifice and because, you know, we just want to be totally focused on him, which is true. But here's the good news. In John 10.10, 10, Jesus says that he has come so that you may have life and have it to the full. 
So what doesn't he say there? He doesn't say, I want you to sacrifice everything for me so you can have a terrible life and live on crackers and, and uh, you know, just give it all to me. That's not what he says. But he says he's come so that we may have full life. And he also tells us, and here's the good news in Luke, that he says, give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So again, why do we give? Is it because God's mean and he, and he just wants us to not have anything and, and totally sacrifice ourselves for him? No. We give because God has given us with his son more than we deserve. And he asks us to put him first in order to accept that free gift. So nothing takes away from the life he promises. So finally, and here's the final point, if you want true and lasting peace, you will never find that in your wealth or in your money or in your possessions. You know, as a financial advisor, I counsel people, you know, from, who just have a few dollars to executives with millions of dollars. And one thing I've come to learn is that none of them, it doesn't matter who it is, has any real security in what they have or peace from their possessions. Nobody. You will never get to that point. That is an insatiable feeling. If you want real peace, you have to go directly to the source. And that is the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. Your money will never do that for you. So let's pray. So Lord, I just thank you for allowing me to come today and and share this message you've given to my heart. Lord, I just pray that that we can all go out today and, and learn to give cheerfully and not out of compulsion, Lord. But ultimately, we give because you first gave to us and you gave everything. You became poor so that we may become rich in your blessing. We love you, Lord, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.